so we're going straight in this week. Um, I've got the, uh, the <clears throat> I think, pleasure is the word. Been joined back in the UK by the holy man. Um, I did warn everybody that he was coming back and no one seems to have tried to stop him. Border control didn't stop you. I was to say, how, how did he get you know, through fucking immigration? I, look, I come to you now at the turn of the tide. Okay, I bring hope. I told my minions to look to the east for my coming. So, well, we'll, yeah, you, you can, yeah, we'll come back to that in a minute. But, um, but yeah, he's back. What How long for? Fuck? We don't know. What? I, I leave you in charge for two years, <laughs> and what do I come back to? Absolute anarchy. You know, I, 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 I flew in over Gap as I was flying into the UK yesterday. I looked out the window and I was like, you can see the devastation, you know, the, the, the just the degradation, the, 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 the lack of hope, I think. And then you talk about Morrison's in the morning, and you went like, "Why? What have they just spent fifty quid on?" Are you talking about Cobra? Alcohol, a chicken and bacon sandwich, and a pork fucking pie. Yeah, but you you've come back to this country, and you you've indulged in the finer things that are available to you. Yeah, supermarket pork pies. Yeah, and a pack of frazzles. Pack of frazzles. Supermarket sandwich. And that's just for town virtual games are in at the moment. Yeah, you know, Tory middle class, white. Yes, it's a stronghold. What can I say? So, uh, but anyway, yeah, he's back in the UK. So two of us are in person. It would have been nice to have all three of us in person tonight. But thanks to things like rail replacement buses and taking three hours to do a ten-minute journey. Jesus, yeah, it couldn't happen. So I wanted um, to. I wanted to. I wanted to join and do a group session there. But it's yeah, the uh, trains are having an absolute field day this weekend and. Uh, so we'll, we'll, try, we'll try again before uh, before we deport him back to Italy. The three words that can strike terror into any uh, any British commuter rail replacement service or bus replacement service. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, just quickly, um, I put a post out on uh, social media this week um, that we've been we have a five star rating on Spotify at the minute. I don't know how many ratings there actually are. Probably not that many, but either way, anyone who has rated us five star. Thank you very much, because it's um, it's always nice to know that people are enjoying it. Um, those who haven't rated it, please do, um, because it all helps us, you know, develop and build and work towards world domination, because that's the plan. So um, thank you for that. But yeah, get in touch with us over all the socials as normal. All the links are on on the um, on the podcast bio and whatnot. So. And there's uh, got new stock in the shop this week as well. So come and spend some of your hard-earned money. Um, I know not many of us actually have any at the minute, but, you know, may as well give it to me rather than giving it to BP and Shell and shit comes like that. So, so yeah, <laughs> moving swiftly on. Um, I think the... Um, I know what you've been listening to certainly today and new municipal waste albums out today. What did you think? Yes, yes, mate. Yeah, no, um, looking forward to that one. It's been five years since the last album. I didn't realise. Is it? That long. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But then they've probably been working on this one for two or three years, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I don't think you can really count stuff like that surprising considering everything. Um, yeah, no, absolutely love it. Give, giving it a couple of listens today. Um, it's probably certainly for me the best album since The Art of Partying 15 years ago. Um it's, I mean, the production's probably the best one. Beefy is fuck. Yeah, it is. It's certainly more metal. Yeah, it's um, 
you know, they, they, they've, they've been quite raw on some, some albums and it's, you know, it's, it's always been, you know, I love them, but we want a bit more, a bit more, a bit more just to really round them off. It sounds like they finally got that now. Um, and, as, and they've also, they're not, they're not sticking to just the crossover thrash um, thing. You know, there's a bit more like classic, classic sort of um, epic thrash. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's one also semi-instrumental track, which just builds and builds, got a bit of atmosphere to it. Um, yeah, two lessons, absolutely loving it. Um, so yeah, can't wait to see them again live when they come back over here. Yeah, not seeing them with Anthrax, unfortunately, but I'm sure they'll come over and do a headline tour. Yeah, some headline shows would be good. Some nice small venues. Yeah. You know, nothing much more than sort of 750, 800 capacity, that kind of thing. Get them in the underworld in London. Oh, God, yeah. I've been to there for a few years. Somewhere like that would be, but... be perfect. Yeah, I had uh, one or two listeners to it today, and yeah, it's, it's, it's damn good. It's, it's what we need. Proper fucking metal. Um, anything else of interest this week? Um, yeah, I think it's obviously fit, um, following the recent interviews, still enjoying Beneath the Remains by Sepultura. I think that's one album I've not really... Um, give them the same amount of time too compared to the other other classic ones. Um, that's good. Listening to a lot of the Scorpions. <laughs> um, again, you know, just Anthony continues his adventures through the seventies, just trying to dig through various back catalogues and uh, so, yeah. early, so early Scorpions. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll move on to the eighties stuff at some point in the future. But yeah, I mean, I've been uh, digging Love Drive and uh, In Trance. Um, I'll move on to the uh, the other ones at some point with question, questionable covers. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah. all that familiar with anything Scorpions prior, like sort of 1982, 1983. It's, it's good. You know. It's good. Love Drive is a, is a decent album. I mean, it's it's got that sound that, you know, you would become bigger in the 80s. But um, yeah, no, it's solid stuff. Um, some good choruses there. And I can, I can tell why Steve Hughes liked it. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I listened to some UFO as well, which you know, not 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 as great. It's okay, but yeah, it didn't click with me. But yeah, Scorpions did actually make me uh, take up and listen. So I'll be uh, continuing with them. I gave Spirit Box a go. Yeah, it's new metal. It's a bit Evanescence. It's okay. Don't don't understand the fuss. I don't understand the fuss either. I mean, I, I wouldn't call them. I wouldn't call them new metal. I gotta be honest. I think they've got a little bit more about them than that. But I don't quite get why why there is so much clamor. Why they're so why they why they're so hyped. I mean, look, if anybody wants to come on this podcast and tell us exactly why they're so amazing, then you're more than welcome. But I don't quite get it. Every now and then you get these bands that come along, and there's this real sort of zeitgeist that follows them, and you, you often wonder why. And they're one of those bands. Maybe is, is it, maybe it's because it's they're female fronted. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Is it is it an American thing? You know what America could be like with certain bands that just don't don't seem to be all that to us Brits, but really seem to connect. I mean, look you look at bands like Godsmack, huge over there, and what the hell, Creed. Maybe it's because Spirit Box are Canadian, and Canada doesn't really give us a lot in the way of music. Yeah. But we'll come back to that because today's Canada Day, so we will come back to that. <laughs> oh, it's the, um, we started. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Final Light, who I talked about a couple of weeks ago, or when yeah. it was, uh, yeah, the collaboration between Cult of Luna and Perturbator. Um, 
sounds exactly as you'd expect it to and it's big and it's epic and the album's out so yeah that's uh that's uh gonna become a favorite this year i think i've listened to the one song that we were on about a few weeks back that i really like so i'll, I'll get on with the rest of it is it an ep or an album it's only like six songs it's an album it's, it's an album, album. yeah Right. It's not over. I mean, it's not over long at all. It's just about the right length. So, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll give that a go. What about you? Now that you're back in the country, you've been listening to anything interesting this week? Well, we listened to the Municipal Waste album this morning. Yeah, that was pretty cool. What, what did you think? Because I was I'm curious. Yeah, no, it's good. Good. I think there's some solid riffs on there. Um, and then, uh, well, I'm going to be travelling on buses and stuff in the next couple of days, so I'll, I'll listen to uh, some stuff then. You know, so that's about it, really. The uh, the, the life of the National Express traveller. Yeah, well, I can't afford the train. <laughs> no, well, who fucking, who fucking can? We can't afford it. It's too expensive. It's like, I'd like, you know, I'd like to go to somewhere, I'd like to go to Birmingham for the day, which is quite bit, quite simple and easy. Oh, that'll be £700, please, return, yeah. basically. But there will be there will be a 60-second window on a Tuesday of one week where you could get that for a discounted price. Yeah, 680 quid. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. Sorry, you compare it to what it's like in Germany, for example. We are we're such a subservient race for Brits. We just take it because we've got it better than other people in this world. So we just just appreciate what we've got. Oh, it costs a lot. Well, at least we've got it. Bend over to our fucking royal masters and our Tory leaders and just take whatever price rises come along. Sorry, that's that's he's so fucking. It's true. What they'll do next is they'll make uh, Pincher head of trans minister for transport. We'll we'll come back to that perf in a minute. We will. We will. Um, um, what have I been listening to this week? Yeah, the municipal waste album this morning, a couple of times. It is it is a bit of a banger. So we'll get a few more listens. Um, the new Conjure album as well. There's been a lot of fuss about that today, and uh, over the last couple of weeks, um, British band. If anybody doesn't know them, very heavy, a bit sort of abrasive, atmospheric sometimes, but quite unique. So definitely worth a listen. Really enjoyed that. Um, Daniel Deluxe, a bit synthwave, enjoyed that. Very, very poppy more than anything. Um, and the last International, a band, just a name that I saw on the Hellfest lineup and thought it sounded interesting. It was kind of like sort of psychedelic, bluesy rock. It's really good. It's nothing sort of spectacular, but it's, it's enjoyable. I recommend it to anybody who's into that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's been about it this week. So yeah, so what should we do? Should we talk about this week's mail or should we talk about purview politicians pinching men's asses at parties? Uh, it's just, it says it all really, doesn't it? I mean, it's the name, Pincher, the fact that it happened at a, a private gentleman's club. I mean, those things have just been fronts for the, the very base nature of humankind for, for, for centuries. I mean, like, I mean, it's like they, they, sh- they should just be called like, you know, the Slap and Tickle Club or something or, <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the, the Bump and Grind. Because that's all it is. You know, it's just, it's just like a, an entire mechanism built to like, you know, cover the tracks of the most hedonistic, depraved, you know, base desires of uh, the, uh, the right wing political establishment. I mean, just what the fuck was he doing? Like, I mean, and I, why is it being drunk? He had a few a too many drinks and embarrassed himself, apparently. He, didn't just he, commit, he committed like, sexual assault. He, 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 yeah. shit, he shit all over himself, all over Boris, all over this country. <laughs> and it's just, it's got to stop. He might like being shit Until, on, like, you know, next week where, I don't know, Pretty Patel dumps in 
um, Rob's mouth or something. You know, just like, <laughs> what is going on there? You know, I'm going you know. to make an impassioned plea here. Let can we not call that prick by his first name? What Dominic Rob? No, oh no, you know the one, the, the walking haystack. What Boris? Yeah, that's what he wants. He wants his. He wants to be mates. Look at me, old Boris. Yeah, and no, you're you're Johnson. Johnson. Synonym for dick. Yeah, you are. Can we can, like you know? Can someone just you know? Can you not just be assassinated? That might be a little strong. No, <laughs> maybe no. just maybe just public like, shaming. Like, you know, like I mean, <sighs> it'd be a start if we could just get rid of the wankers. To be perfectly honest with you, I'll take that to start with. To, to be and honest, then you can go I'm on not, your murderous rampage after that. I don't I'm know. Not I don't, I don't to do be it, killed. Someone just anyway. Know, I don't know. Just like really throw throw a couple of eggs at him at least. You know, really <laughs> egg him up good. Egg him up good, you know, like, you know, egg the shit out of him. I was gonna egg you, bro. He's um, or like, you know, get a really get, get, get like a really rank, dirty, greasy kebab from somewhere that's got loads of like garlic and chili sauce on it. And that's a chuck waste. it in, that's a criminal all waste. over him. That would be a criminal waste. The headline on the front page of the sun the next day is Donard. <laughs> the amount of stuff he wriggles out of, I'm surprised, you know, he's like that bloke in the X Files, Tombs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was killed under an escalator eventually anyway, but yeah, he's um, he's like him. He's, he's, he's just... Oh, gr- gr- slimy piece of shit. Slimy. But, they all are. I, don't, I, I, I just don't get why people... You know, if people are conservative, have conservative politics, I get it, but I just... We've got so many people still supporting him, and when they do the Vox Pops on TV, and the old people are like, oh, well, he's trying his best, he's fine, and it's still better than the other... Bollocks. It's like you—you you even paying any bloody attention? Are you that? I—I—I I, I don't know. I—I don't. What? What? What makes me laugh is conservatives and uh, neoliberals and uh, kind of new Labour people are always going on about the efficiency of the market. The market will sort itself out, and the market rewards competence and good service and ideas and innovation and but if you apply those principles to government none of them would have a job you know it's just it's it it, we're not just talking about a few people that are kind of like middling and mediocre we're talking about systemic incompetence and it's not really a good advert is it for our country's supposed top universities that this is the crap they're churning out because they're all from they're all from oxford not even i know it's oxford specifically the fucking Bullingdon Club. Um, they go and study uh, PPE at Oxford, philosophy, politics, and economy, as if that gives them a, gives them a license to be a chancellor of the Exchequer or something. And like, you know, I know a lot of people will say, oh, but Johnson studied classics. I'm sorry. I, 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 I've, you know, I've studied classics. I don't see how knowing Herodotus and, you know, Thucydides gives you a any kind of roadmap on how to manage and run a modern multicultural society. Is the incompetence intentional? Because, you know, you design to reduce faith in the system so that less people vote. And the less people vote, the more crap you can actually get away with um, to maintain power and whatnot. Or is that a bit tinfoil hat? I don't know. (laughs) A bit tinfoil hat. Anyway, that's enough of that. I mean, like, I mean, and then moving on to Canada Day. Hang on, we'll 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 we'll, let's 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 just slow down on the the Canadians. (laughs) They they deserve their own their own moment. I'm still waiting for Chad Groger to call me back, but 
even Chad, sometimes he's unreliable when you that high profile. Yeah. Is know, he still I, with Avril Lavigne? No, she's married to some. She's married to some skater. Now. Oh right, okay. so, Tony Hawks. No, it ain't Tony Hawks. Tony Hawks old enough to be a granddad now, isn't he? But um, but talking of politics slightly, um, Howard Stern on his show last week has made a serious claim to run for U.S. president. Do it. Go for it. Can you imagine? Bit of a laugh, wasn't it? Well, he's no bigger a fucking clown than previous president, so why not? He was in the news for something else recently. I can't think what. He's always in the news for something. I don't know. He reckons he's serious as well. He says he's not fucking about. Oh yeah, did you did you you know see the news this week about um uh, Vince McMahon's in trouble? It's all coming out of the woodwork now. What's Vince done? He hasn't oh, touched yeah. someone, has he? Thousands. He female referees, female wrestlers. Really? Yeah, yeah. Rape, rape, rape allegations. Rape really? allegations in this? the back of his limo. What? Like, literally, like grabbing a woman, a female referee's head, and just being like, "You know, you want to," and just shoving the head. No. Down. Yeah, seriously. Fuck me. And like it's not just an isolated report either. A lot of wrestlers have come out and said, "Yeah, it's true. We, we were there when it happened." Um, oh, know, it is. And, yeah. And it, it, thing is, all that stuff he's come up with over the year on TV is all going to come out to like really like, the, the genetic jackhammer, <laughs> just like you know, <laughs> the kiss my ass club and all that kind of stuff. Fucking hell! I, 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 that's the, this is the first I'm hearing about this. Really, it's like you know, what what did he do to Trish Stratus in the back of that limo? Oh Jesus. Careful. This is clearly still a very open case. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fucking hell. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Dirty bastard. I mean, he's I, always I, coming, to be fair, to, in, in, you know, he's always attracted a lot of criticism and he's got this kind of very, like, kind of alpha male persona. But he's also, he's been in that position where he's got complete control of that company. And, that, and a company that a lot of people want to work for. Yeah. And he's got ultimate power and the temptation. And this is the problem we're having with the Tory party. They've been in for power so long now, and they know they're not going to get voted out tomorrow. So it, it, people are just like, they're in, they're uh, giving into their like most base desires. I mean, like that, that guy, Pincher, probably thought, well, if I do fund all these guys, the worst that's going to happen to me is I'll get demoted. I'll keep my job, I keep my pension, and then when I lose my seat, I'll just go off and work in the private sector on like 500 grand a year or something. There's no comeback on them. This is the problem. If you're going to do it, fine, whatever. It's wrong, but, you know, you can't stop you. But there has to be some kind of repercussions. You should be being kicked out of Parliament. Yeah. So we can actually... well, you, you should be, it should be criminal charges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, so we can blame Tory voters for people getting uh, assault, sexually assaulted? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but every time Tory voters elect a Tory government, that is an assault on this country. Is that the the weekly nugget of truth? The nugget of truth. I mean, it's just like, I don't want to sound like, you know, wishy-washy, but it's like, you know, sometimes you just want to say to the the politicians, look, you've had your turn, now just give the others a go. I don't, I don't, don't, forget elections, just, just let them do it. Just give them, give them five years, see if they can, you know, just be fair. Come on. But like, there's still, they're, they're, even in interviews, oh, yeah, but when Labour were in power, that was fucking 12 years ago. Let it go. Yeah, just, it's, it's you can't. Let's just let some random people stand for government. People you wouldn't expect. 
Which heavy metal musicians would you like to see run for office? Dee Snyder. No, no, in the UK <laughs> that could actually feasibly be elected. UK citizens. Bruce. Bruce, okay, Bruce. Bruce definitely. No, he'd be, he'd, be, he'd be Tory. He is a bit, yeah, he is Tory, he but Tory at, least, at least he's got principles and at least he's a decent human being. Yeah, um, and then he'd be able to shout over all the din in the House of Commons. He would. Like his voice would raise. Scream for me, Parliament. Here it goes. Scream for me, Westminster. <laughs> Water. I mean, I, I, I would like to see um, um, probably. I think I think Geezer Butler would make a good Speaker of the House. Measured, calm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the calming influence on Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. Chancellor of the Exchequer. Jimmy Carr. No, no, no. Metal musician. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't know. That's that's a tough one. The, the manager from Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Song, you know, you know, the one that, that with, the with, with the cricket bat. The yeah. Cricket he bat, he yeah. said, "Look, we're losing our royalties here. We're getting <laughs> shafted." There is a there is a Labour MP who's really into his metal. Yeah, there is. Um, yeah, Richard Richard Bergen. Let's yeah. get him on. Leeds. Can get email him. <laughs> Tell him, Padre, would we work. would we really want to stoop that low and get a politician on this podcast? Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. Can we throw rocks at him if he doesn't say what we want him to say? I don't need to throw rocks at him. Yeah, you'd yeah. have to be very careful. You'd have to be very careful because if he says, <laughs> depending on what he says, it's public. It's a public podcast. It will get out. It will. It could make the papers. Hey, you know what? It's exposure, isn't it? Actually, yeah. Screw it. Let's do it. <laughs> like I said at the top of the show, it's fucking world domination. So whatever it takes, yeah, let's get him on. Yeah. That's it. Well, yeah. He might out himself. <laughs> anyway, let, let's 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 get back to the music. Well, sort of, <laughs> sort of. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know I know bands and, and merchandise and stuff like that does get a little bit out of hand sometimes. Kiss and their condoms and credit cards and pinball machines, but um, Def Leppard have just dropped a range of beauty products and scented candles, makeup, candles, blushes. Um, all obviously named after songs, animal and and things such like. I mean, and the the um, the, the the boxes, the cases are like sort of triangle shaped, so they kind of go with the, the Def Leppard imagery and and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think this might be one step too far. The, the black Def Leppard logo candle is described as a soft blend of cedarwood and orange citrus with hints of golden amber and white musk. So basically, Joe Elliott's testicle. Perfume. Perfume, basically. I mean... I who are they trying to appeal to? Fuck knows. Because, you know, the youth aren't going to go for it because they don't know who fucking Def Leppard are. <laughs> True. Um, I, I, saw, old... I saw something quite disconcerting yesterday on, on the flight coming back. You know, you can get food on like EasyJet and Ryanair flights. The, the person sitting next to me had the Plowman's lunchbox set. And I don't think I've any I've seen anything as pretentious as a Plowman's lunchbox set on a flight, especially a budget airline. I mean, the cheese looked like a metal, metal pl- traffic cone. And then she was opening packed little sachets of Branston pickle. You can imagine how bad that smelled on a flight. And then some twat five rows down bought a pot noodle. Who eats pot noodle on a flight? A pot noodle that costs £3.50. Who gives them permission? How does that relate to Def Leppard? I don't know. I just need to get <laughs> off my chest. You're on a flight, right? And you're trying to listen to your metal. And you're like, what is that smell? And you look up and some cunt is eating a pot noodle. <laughs> a chicken and mushroom pot noodle. 
on a flight, on a two-hour flight. Come on. Yeah, all right. Um, but yeah, if anybody, um, if anybody fancies some uh, Def Leppard makeup, it is, um, it is cruelty-free and vegan-friendly. So, you know, it ticks all the... Um, it ticks How all the is that band vegan-friendly? They wrote a song called Animal. It's about, like, it's about an abattoir where livestock are slaughtered. That's a long time ago, though. You know, times change. Love and hate collided. Things change. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, yeah, yeah, enough of that. Um, Ramstein's, Ramstein's show in Coventry last week apparently could be heard 11 miles away. Yeah, well, that's because there's no buildings left in Coventry after the war, so travels. Sorry. Well, the, the Luftwaffe's bombardment of Coventry during 1940 could be heard about 15 miles away, so it's progress. Yeah, apparently um, some of the uh, sort of rural villages rural villages around the uh, West Midlands were complaining that they could hear bangs, and, and obviously a Ramstein show is like a fucking air raid anyway, but... I was about to say, yeah, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's worse jokes you can make about Germans in Coventry and... Well, yeah, yeah, yes, but yeah, no, no, I won't go that far. Yeah, but it's, it's good. That's what I won't go that far. You just did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do it again. You literally just made a joke about the, the, the wartime bombing of Coventry. In fact, you did it before I did. And now you're trying to backtrack. This is this is this is why you're a mere amateur when it comes to offending people. Because, like, you know, I, I own it. Right. I, I will offend man, woman or child of any ethnicity, of any sexual preference. Of any religion, okay, and I don't backtrack. No prejudice, okay? just no prejudice. Insults. I am an equal <laughs> opportunities winder up a piss offer, okay. And you know, you make it. You come in here with your oh, it's not the Luftwaffe, and then you're like, oh, I'm not going to make any jokes about. It. You just fucking did, okay. So you need to work on this, okay. And if you're not going to, and if you want to play like, like that, just let me do it, okay. Watch the master at work. Are you finished? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that, I thought that was quite amusing. I, I watched a um, I watched a video on YouTube this week of a of a Ramstein show. I think it was in I think it was in Switzerland. Someone filmed it from from their apartment across the city and could just see across the top of the stadium. And when you can just see, you know, the the, the contents of a Ramstein show going off in the distance, it does literally look like it's being bombed. So I, I oh, these, was it like Ramstein's war? Pretty much, was it the yeah. essence. Pretty much. These people filming gigs with their mobile phones. We talked about this last week. Yeah, but if they're filming gigs with their mobile phones from four miles away across the town, that's fine. <laughs> they're out of the way and they're nobody's problem. But they're, they're, to be to be honest, their show this year, the tour they're doing, it just looks in, insane, even by their standards. Why are they playing Coventry? It's in the Midlands, isn't it? Yeah. Why not yeah, Birmingham? It's quite complicated these days. Or maybe Birmingham wasn't available. What were they? What was it? An outdoor gig? Yeah. Was it um, the Rico Arena Stadium? What did they have like Steve Grusevich there? <laughs> was Darren Huckabee like the that's opening? Like, that's Highfield Road. Right? That's gone. Yeah, that's back in the day. The Coventry even still play at the Rico because they were kicked out a while back, weren't they? They were playing in they were playing in Northampton. Northampton yeah. no, I, I know some people. I know oh, some yeah. people from Coventry. And apparently Steven Grusevich firstly drinks Colin Black label. Was Colin Black Label? No, it was Colin Black Label in 1992. He, he, that's what he drinks, right? And secondly, he's still dining out on Coventry's FA Cup win. Well, you would, wouldn't you? From the 1980s, yeah. like he goes into bars and just expects people to well, buy. Of course, you fucking. Come on, you, you, like, you, just, I, it's, it's, it's done, Steve. It, it, listen, 
Keith Hooch's header. Come it's, on. It was in the 80s. Let it go. No, I'm a Villa fan. We're still dining out on the European Cup. The European Cup, so. a European Cup win is better than an FA Cup win. Yeah, but this is Coventry City we're talking about. <laughs> Maybe Spurs. Spurs were big in the 80s. Fuck Spurs. Well, yes, but... I don't want Spurs on this that. podcast. No Spurs. They're on the veto list. So we can't talk about Cups of Roses tonight, then? No, we're going to get to that because we, we've got some information that we've, we've gleaned from our associates. What, you looked at Twitter? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah, we, we, we'll come back to that one. <laughs> it, it's, def, it's definitely worth talking about and um, we, we're definitely going to out someone tonight. Um, <laughs> Paul Jay's not happy. And neither am I. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, uh, when, I, when I first heard about it, I thought, could this be a case of absolution? And I don't, I can't, I don't think I can forgive. This. I think it's beyond that. It's, it's excommunication. Um, one last bit of news though: uh, Volbeat announced the UK arena tour, arenas or whatever they are, big sheds or whatever. Um, later this year, um, dates are all up online. But they're taking Skindred out, and they're taking Napalm Death out with them as well, which I think is really fucking cool. That's a going out on arena tour, and taking out Napalm Death. So you know, I think it's pretty cool. But that'd be. Um, Worth checking out. So they're I'm not a fan of Skindred, but they they are good lives. So that'll be that's a pretty. Is that good an arena tour, did you say? Yeah, I think um, I think they're doing Wembley in London and all the other Jesus. sort of big Volby, old sheds. So that's, that surprises me. Okay. It's been like a steady rise for Volby, isn't it? It's been sort of gradual over yeah. the years. They've just I got didn't realise they got to that, that stage, right? Um, fair play. I'm I saw sure the Kentish Town Forum about like ten years ago, whenever it was. Well, I only ever saw them once at Wacken. I think it was in 2006 when we went in, in the little tent. I didn't even know who they were back then. So, yeah, they're doing, yeah, Motor Point Arena in Cardiff, Nottingham Arena, yeah, Wembley Arena, Leeds Arena, Glasgow Hydro. So, yeah, we, you're talking big old venues and all across the country, so they must be confident. If it was a one-off, you'd kind of understand. But So, yeah, fair play. Okay. Um, Phil Anselmo was 54 yesterday. How the fuck that man is still alive in his 50s, I do not know. But he is, and he looks worse for it. You say about that a lot. Of, Happy lot birthday, of, Phil. You really? You look at Motley Crue, you look at Ozzy. Oh, you fucking Just how? Yeah, Ozzy's a different world. But yeah, happy birthday, Phil. Congratulations on getting into your 50s. Fucking, it's, it's incredible. Um, today is Canada Day. Oh, Canada. Uh, you know, you sit, it's very easy to sit there saying that, but when you're married to a Canadian, it's different. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, but she, she's, she's the greatest Canadian because she took on... It, it's the one day a year where Canadians simply can just go around being rude to people, you know? So what, what's, what has Canada given us in terms of metal? And let's not mention Chad because he refuses to come on the podcast. Skullfist. Devin Townsend, Annihilator, you know, Voivod, some pretty... To be fair, Canada just give us Pamela Anderson. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's true. That's less of an awkward wank than Nickelback, so... Yeah, yeah. And you don't feel as guilty afterwards, either. <laughs> uh, you, know, you feel like you've achieved something. Anvil, of course, Canadian. Yeah. Rush. You know the rules on prog. <laughs> William Shatner. Come on. Three Inches of Blood, they're Canadian. Yeah, remember them? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, yeah, they sort of disappeared, but and Ki and the mighty Kitty, who I, I found out oh, today, no. which I didn't realise. Oh, that band should have been shot years ago. That's harsh. But they're, they're, <laughs> they're, 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 like... you got you. you, you, you 
That's, that's, that's the second time you've been tried for murder now. They're, they're one of those like bands, you know, like you're female, but I actually think you did more damage to the female movement than you did positive. Like, I'm a bit concerned. It's like you've been away from Italian food for like 48 hours and you're already talking about killing people. You don't know of what you speak, you foolish child. I brought eight <laughs> kilos back of meat with me. <laughs> that's no lie. You know what? I will, um, I'll, I'll put a photo up on um, Instagram later of the meat that he brought back. You may not want to see it, but I'm going to share it anyway. Because oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. Numerous, so the, the whole world can see it. Numerous salamis. It's like the, the god <laughs> of meat cometh. Cheese. Five different types of cheese. Um, we have to pick up Brian Adams because he was 1985 album of the year with Reckless. So, yeah, I mean, Leonard Cohen. I think it's, I, I think it's a Canadian citizen's duty to apologise at any given opportunity for the likes of Brian Adams. There is actually don't just apologise anyway. There's actually a song from, uh, it's like a joke song from the uh, mid late nineties, early two thousands, by a Canadian French Canadian comedian. And the song is called Suck on My Genitals. And um, I'll, I'll try and find the link and we'll put it on the... On the uh, uh, I'll stick it up on Twitter. On, on the Twitter, yeah, because it's like, you know, the chorus is like, suck on my genitals, my genitals, my genitals, suck on my genitals, my genitalia! <laughs> oh, Cryptopsy, Canadian? Yeah, Cryptopsy, a Canadian. Decent death metal band, if you're into that kind of thing. Bret Hart. Pro yes. the hero. Chris Hart, Jericho. Yeah. Jericho, yeah. Protest yeah. the hero, although they're a bit modern, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Alexis on fire. Oh. I like them. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Celine Dion as well. Fucking Celine Dion. Anyway, look, we have a serious issue to talk about now. And all, all joking aside, this is genuinely a serious, serious problem. Um, one of our, you know, semi regular counterparts, uh, the oh. Wolfman, Kieran Aston. Oh. Um, <laughs> Oh dear. Guitar player in the grudge, and I'm sure his, his, his bandmates are aware of this misdemeanor. This no, evening. this is not a misdemeanor. It's well, it's this is I, I'm, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be sort of light on him for the minute. No, this is a capital offense. <laughs> but an intervent an intervention is 100 percent needed. So in London tonight, if anyone's aware, Guns N' Roses are playing at um a stadium in North London. Um at another stadium in North London is uh Ed Sheeran. And uh, our friend, the Wolfman, is at that very show. He never sets one more step on this podcast. I am officially saying now this is Padre's first edict. Okay, He is now excommunicated from this podcast until I see at least three notable acts of contrition. I don't, I'm not talking about an apology. Do we I, not I, give him the opportunity to come on and, and no, speak for himself? No, because we know, we know for certain he's there. Our we do. Our yeah, associates do. have confirmed it. No, 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 no. You don't talk your way out of this. Okay. <laughs> he has made the conscious decision to go and see Ed Sheerhan. He knew the ramifications. He knew what we would say, and he's gone and done it anyway. So it's like it's like a big F you to this podcast and what we're trying to achieve here. He's, he's undermining us. He's undermining my moral authority. I won't stand for it. This is like 1936 in the Rhineland. If you let this go, what's he going to do next? He's going to ask for the Sudetenland. He's going to go and see the Spice Girls play. He's got to draw a line somewhere. <laughs> right, let me play devil's advocate for the minute. He's obviously there with his wife. So maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's couples, date night. She wanted to go and see Ed Sheeran. He's gone there as the supportive husband. Then just fucking stay at home and watch Dirty Dancing. 
it's a cheaper night in and you're probably going to get sucked off at the end of the night. For God's sake, look, just, it, it doesn't know. Ed, and also, he's he's encouraging Ed Sheerhan by buying tickets. Who's Ed Sheerhan? Or whatever his fucking name is. I don't know his name. Is, is it Sheeran Sheeran? Sheeran. Sheeran. It doesn't like, matter. To be honest, it doesn't matter what his fucking this, name is. Is this the twat that rips everyone else off and goes on Game of Thrones? Like, is he, is he ginger? He is ginger. Oh, fuck's sake. But you... So he obviously has no socks. So he's like Chris Evans with an acoustic. Basically, yeah. We we're, we're like less than thirty minutes into this podcast, and I think we've we've already offended half the country. But so for our international followers, of which we are very grateful for, he's not talked about Chris Evans, who's Captain America. That's a point. Yeah. Yeah. We have a we've had a Chris Evans in this country in Britain for thirty years, a TV personality who basically looks like a grown up version of Charlie from the Rugrats. Look, Chucky, yeah, Chucky. Chucky. Basically, there's, there's, yeah. there's no, there's no, there's, there's no talking out, talking his way out of this. You know, he's he's gone to a, a gig that is the, the antithesis of metal, right? When he had the option of going and seeing one of the finest bands ever assembled, and and I don't care, you know, it's like you've got you've got to draw a line in the sand. It, it, now this is like his wife's gonna have one of the rooster, so she'll be like, oh, right, let's let's go and see her take that. You know, this is this is this this is like the thin end of the wedge, and you know, it's like it's like if I came here going, I'm just going to go and ship some heroin. You'd be like, Padre, we need to talk. Start with the crystal meth and work your way. Yeah, up. exactly. Like you know, this is just. I mean, what I what I hope is that he leaves the gig tonight, and he's like, I'm a bit hungry, and he goes to go and get something to eat, and he can't find anything, so he he walks a bit further, and he ends up at this like the world's dodgiest kebab shop. And like he gets like the world's greasiest kebab, and he doesn't enjoy it. And then his train gets delayed. That's why it happens, <laughs> right? And then he he's stuck at Wembley Tube Station or whatever the nearest train station is to Wembley, and he can't get any. And the taxis are like, "Mate, you've got kebab grease all over your fingers. You're not getting in my 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 cab." Right? And then his wife is like, "You know what? You smell a kebab. I'm leaving you." <laughs> and then he's just left in North London. Going up to people, just going, sorry, can I have a lift home? And they're like, who are you? Because I'm the lead guitarist from The Grudge. And you're like, hang on, aren't you that dickhead that went to see Ed Sheeran tonight? Wolfman, I'm gonna, I, I'm more than happy for you to come on here and um, and uh, and talk your way out of it. But I think you might be uh, a little bit up against it. Shame on you. Shame on you, Wolfman. Shame on you. So we'll leave it at that and we'll give him the opportunity to uh, to talk his way out of it. Maybe, maybe you can absolve his sins. <laughs> just Maybe. Uh, you know that we, that's that, that's gonna it's, it's gonna cost him. He's gonna have to at least build a new wing in the Vatican for that to happen. Fucking hell! But that's that's about it for this week in terms of. Um, that's about it, Christ Almighty! In terms of, <laughs> in terms of uh, offend, offending people and alienating gingers and and anything else along those lines. So um, I've got no, I've got nothing against women who are ginger. I just don't like men who are ginger that play acoustic guitars. Is just they're dangerous. They're a threat. They're a threat. He would probably bring bongos to a party as well. Oh, did you get, I'm trying to think, apart from Mustang, can you think of any notable gingers in metal? Ginger metal? Um, that's a tough one. Yeah. I think Mustang is probably enough. I'm surprised there's not more because usually they're quite angry kids, aren't they? Because all the yeah. kids get, they get taken out of and surely some of them will convert to metal. I would put it more in the emo sort of character, character though, I think. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. Oh, I can't think of any ginger emos to be honest. But we, okay. we, we really need need to stop 
alienating ginger people because we'd like to listen, like them to listen to this show even if they are ginger. Um, but yeah, anyway, on to tonight's sort of main topic where hopefully we won't offend anybody. Um, we want to talk about what it's like when you, you first discover heavy metal. Those moments, those moments in your youth where... I don't know, you, your dad brings home a Black Sabbath record or you first hear something, you know, from somebody else at school or all those kind of things. And and how how I don't think any other type of music, maybe, maybe hip-hop has a similar kind of effect on people and can kind of take over your life in the same way. Um, we, we can all sort of remember how we got into metal and the first bands we got into and and where it all started a lot of people it starts with what they used to see on mtv or or anything along those lines i mean for me you know i had the older brother um who, who got me into a lot of this stuff and then it kind of developed from there so which i think is quite a common it's quite a common thing but yeah and i'll put you on the um i'll put you under the spotlight first what were your earliest memories of of discovering metal or hard rock, rock, you know, anything along those kind of lines. Yeah, it's, it, I suppose it was, a, it was a gradual thing for me because I think my family were all into music. My sister was, I had a teenage sister in the early 80s when I was a little boy. She was into chart stuff, quite a typical 80s teen. Um, and I listened to 80s pop as a result, um, which saved me from the parents' music because they were a bit older than a lot of the average parents then. They were into 50s stuff mostly, and country music. Um, Dad was open up to, you know, he, he was, he went to sort of, you know, rock gigs in the 60s in South London a lot, you know, so I mean, as I mentioned last week, he was mates with Jeff Beck. Um, so he, he wasn't averse, he, you know, um, sorry, he, he was, yeah, he wasn't averse to sort of the louder stuff, but yeah, for the most part, you know, without, without a uh, Without a teenage sister and, and the eighties pop, I would have been listening to some god awful stuff. Um, if, if if I did latch onto music, and yeah, it was the charts mainly. And I think just while I listened to the charts, I kind of liked whatever I heard rock wise, but I didn't latch onto it because as a kid, you know, it was I, I was just listening to anything really. I was happy listening to anything, and I had other interests and and whatnot. And it's I think the, the earliest I thought, wow, this is this is interesting and this this might appeal to me was when I was eight years old and I first heard Can I Play With Madness? Um, and I absolutely loved it. And this was at a time when my sister wasn't, was, was starting to discover boys and not around as much. So I, maybe it was, a, I was trying to latch onto my own thing. And um, she, she was, uh, she was in the, the year, the same year as a couple of teenage lads who were really into Iron Maiden. I think one was our, our local vicar's son and one was the older brother of one of my school friends. And their bedrooms were absolutely covered in Iron Maiden posters and stuff. And I'd been- Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Did you say vicar's son? Yes, you yeah. did. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah my mum was very religious. I, I did the religion thing back in the day until I started listening to Marilyn Manson. So, yeah. Shame on you. That's it, yeah. Um, Blasphemer. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, and I-, I I saw these bedrooms, it was like, wow, proper, like, wow moment, all this metal imagery and Eddie everywhere, and, you know, the, the somewhere in time posters burned into my brain, you know, this sort of cyborg skeletal figure, 
Um, because this, yeah, this would have been 87 and just before um, Seventh Son. So that was a big deal. And yeah, I kind of, I probably latched onto that song and thought, yeah, this is really good stuff. But for some reason, I kind of lost interest straight away because I was a kid. Um, and that, that's what it is. And because I didn't have an older sister or older brother to kind of keep me going with it, um, I kind of missed, missed the next time made it within the charts with uh, the follow up. Um, and that was around the time I was starting to get into football. So I kind yeah. of, yeah. So, so I think for, for, for a few years after that, I kept listening to the charts and I liked what I made the stuff I liked, uh, I heard rather. Same with the grunge stuff, same with other hard rock stuff, Guns N' Roses. I liked that, but it wasn't the case of I, I latched onto it more than other pop artists. Um, and it was only after a couple of years of being into indie, um, typical teenager in, in 90s Britain that I came across an Iron Maiden best of in 96 at the time when they were at the most deeply, deeply unfashionable. Yeah. And when I was probably as deeply unfashionable as any teenager could be, and I saw that at the beginning of sixth form and thought, oh, I fancy a change. Fancy something a bit different. That's a nice little package. And I just, I was just spurred to, to get it. It just, it felt right picking it up, that Best of the Beast album. Um, it was, it was a weird, it was, it was like a calling. Um, yeah. That's um, what brings me back to I my did. comment earlier about, about how, how, metal gives you that moment like i mean we might, i might be being a little bit narrow-minded but how it gives you that moment which i don't think a lot of other other types of music has because we have this tribalism don't we with with metal it's to be more specific anthony if you were just to, to think about um your you know your 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 range of emotions and feelings when that you think of when you think about how you got into metal what would you say they were? What was your motivation there for listening to metal? What resonated with you on an emotional level? This just got deep. <laughs> we, we've gone from insulting gingers to talking about deep no, emotional like, levels. You're, you're, you don't, you've, you've, you've basically told us about how you got into metal. You haven't really told us why. I Yeah, no, it's a weird one because I... No one introduced me to it around that time. It was it was spur of a moment. I think what appealed to me was was that, that package itself. The, the the best of a beast album. It was this two fifty booklet. Yeah. yeah, it was a really nice package, really well designed and nice. And well, it's twenty quid. I remember that twenty a twenty quid CD package at the time, and I I could afford it, but it was you know it was a big chunk out of my paper round money. Um, yeah. Okay. Fair but, enough. And, and again, I think that's what appealed to you, but it's not necessarily why it appealed to you. Like what, okay, if that, take that as a case in point, you like the package. Why did you like the package? Why did it appeal to you? What was it about it? I think certainly me being into comics was a, was a, was a big factor because you see, you see the Eddie imagery and you see all these different designs and this garish artwork inside and look at, looking at the, the booklet, booklet in our price, seeing all these different album covers and history and, and whatnot, and I think that was that was a big factor. The artwork, um, the imagery, definitely, because you just don't get that in other forms of music. Why well, I, I I hadn't come across it. I hadn't come across it in indie or pop or anything like that. It's you know when you're 
the, th the thing about metal, and, and again, it comes back to hip hop as well. When you're a middle class white kid in Surrey, it's safe, it's um, secure, but in some ways it's boring. Stuff like metal and hip hop, it's otherworldly. It's not. It's an escape. It's an escape. It's escape I got from comics. It's an escape yeah. from what? Just for life, the, the, the normalcy of your life that you're living day to day. Um, because a lot of other forms of music, it feel, they feel a bit more organic to that day to day life. Um, pop music, you know, the pop, pop music and the indie that we were sort of all exposed to on top of our pops at the time, that was all relatively normal. And it was all very, I don't want to say it's homogenous, but it didn't really stand out as being this bombastic sort of thing. Because there are there are suggestions that, that we've been we've been reading today, um, and this obviously isn't aimed at, aimed at you. This is this is a general a general comment for everything that because because heavy metal appeals to um, masculine suffering. That's what a lot of young boys relate to as, as, as teenagers when you're going through lots of different emotions and you're growing up and puberty's going on and all you discover lots of different things and according to this study i'm not saying i'm not necessarily agreeing with i'm not necessarily saying no, it's, it's not exactly right no. but there's a suggestion that 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 there's there's an element of metal that that alludes to masculine suffering which is why a lot of young boys relate to it so i mean yeah. okay I, um, an example would be take a band like suicidal tendencies and you've got a song like How Will I Laugh Tomorrow. That's quite a brooding, melancholic song. Yeah, even the, even the name of the band, yeah. to be honest. So, and you've got people like Mike Muir and that band are singing about some quite in-depth emotions, despair, being disenfranchised, not being able to go on, suicide, depression, and things like that. Wanting a Pepsi. Wanting a Pepsi, yeah. So, is that... so? And then you look at, and, and, and for example, Iron Maiden are not necessarily a band who sing about that kind of stuff. No. But a lot of other bands are. Yeah, you've got the metal bands that are a lot of fantasy based, and you've got the, the metal bands that do sing about things that are a little bit more real. So, but then you've got to label. But then think about this. If you listen to Iron Maiden, it's escapism. It's escapism from what? Is it just that I, I just using you as an example, Anthony, I grew up in Surrey, Surrey's boring. Therefore, I need to listen to Number of the Beast. And you're just getting away from what you regard as being, what you've described as being normalcy or homogeneity. But how do you, how do you character, how do you characterize normalcy? How do you see normalcy? And what do you see as a, being opposed to normalcy? And that could therefore be, that's your motivation, not you, but just that is a generalization as being a reason to listen to metal. So, like we had, we had a look at we we found an article, and obviously this is coming from the academic field of study now, which is called metal studies, which I think <laughs> we talked about before. University of Melbourne, Michelle Hines, Katerina McFerrin, and they've done various studies on this. And I'm not saying that this is gospel, but I thought this was food for thought. So what they did was they took firstly they took in a 2007 study by McFerrin. They interviewed 110 Australian teachers, uh, teenagers from a single high school from low socioeconomic backgrounds. And they wanted to illustrate or investigate how teenagers engaged 
proactively in selecting the form and style of music to actually go with their various moods and if there was any kind of substance to this and whether what whether or not it had any effect and from these 110 teenagers about 20 of them are actual metal fans and actually what they found is that on studying these 20 metal fans that these metal fans showed the least reduction of negativity <laughs> from listening to music when sad angry or stressed now that's not to say that anyone that listens to metal when they're pissed off sad or angry or stressed isn't going to feel better at the end of it this is just these particular 20 uh, students but if you take that from a statistical point of view that's a sample that you could say well a percentage of people that are doing this are not going to feel some kind of immediate relief so the study by and then they did a further study where they actually just actually looked at seven seven metal fans from different backgrounds and these were volunteers that came forward and they wanted to identify a correlation between metal music um, and you know mood adjustment and stuff like that and they also wanted to counter the um, correlation that a lot other studies have done between metal music and vulnerable, vulnerable youth because a lot of studies view the, the relationship between metal and vulnerable youth as being a problem that needs to be solved rather yeah. than a phenomenon that needs to be addressed so rather than that there is something wrong with it and it goes back to this idea that for some reason metal is a threat or a problem or something that you know needs to be controlled and it says and it makes a very good point it says the wild assertions made that basically metal um generates vulnerability or you know increases people's aggressiveness uh leads to supports restrictive and punitive approaches by those in power both in the mental health community and by those in government and here's an example in australia the head of the suicide prevention unit, Stephen Sachs, asserted in his own study that heavy metal subculture and suicide are linked. And he based this on this fact. He compared heavy metal magazine subscriptions to the annual mortality detail files. And if their name came up in a suicide list and they were also subscribed to a heavy metal magazine, he said that there you go, proof, see, heavy metal, they committed suicide. And that was an academic study. And this kind of stuff leads into this idea that if you're going to listen to heavy metal or thrash or punk, you're more likely to kill yourself because you must be just in, inherently negative or vulnerable and you're, you're being persuaded. And then I, I this occurred to me um, because one of the points that made this point was made by, excuse called Stephen Sachs. This was in the early 2000s. The greater the strength of the heavy metal subculture, the greater the youth suicide rate. But there was nothing to support such you know, an erroneous claim. And... I was thinking to myself, this kind of radical and erroneous assertions negatively impact a society's perception of the subculture, but also as an unintended byproduct increases, if you think about this, the attractiveness of that subculture, because it, those adolescents who are seeking a place in, to go in a group that reflects their values and their ideas, that subculture can be seen as being a juxtaposed to that of a mainstream society, politics and subculture and, and cultures. So by saying that a group of people exist and they're more likely to kill themselves because of all heavy metal and we're inherently depressed and vulnerable, then those who are in, those who are vulnerable and are looking for an outlet for that will probably be attracted to it. So I think, you know, there is an upside to that, but that's, that's the kind of thing that this, 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 this article is talking about. It's saying, look, we need, you need to look at this more 
Like, why do people listen to metal? So they looked at these seven people and they looked at the different emotions and emotional re re reasons. And it's, 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 what do you think? What do you think came up? If you were to describe emotions and feelings that were a, a, a motivating factor for someone to listen to metal, what would you say they were? I mean, I, I think you can almost, you can almost take metal out of the out of the equation because music as a whole is something that people people use as an escape or catharsis or whatever it is you know you've had a bad day you you get on the tube or you get in your car and the first thing you do is put on music you like because it will it will change your mood i mean music, yeah yeah music as a whole yeah, so to kinds of endorphins yeah and and the fact that the, the the people writing these studies are clearly educated people but they're so they're so uneducated in other ways that they are happy to accept that because someone subscribed to a metal magazine and committed suicide, there's a link between the two. And that narrow mindedness yeah. is, is why these people look at the metal community as well, scumbags, if yeah. you want. Well, definitely. You're right. And um, the, the note I made in the margins was, well, you know, what's an example of this? The Judas Priest Aussie Osborne trials in the 80s. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the suicide solution and the, yeah. the whole world, the sub subliminal messages on Judas Priest albums. Yeah. They want people, they want they, they want their fans to kill themselves. And like what sprung to my mind was the uh, the famous Bill Hicks routine, the comedian, when he said in the 1980s, he said one thing these prosecutors in these Bible bashes didn't really think about was what performer wants their audience dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like you I know. think. Can you really use that as a good example? Because in some ways, certain parts of America are a bit of an aberration compared to the rest of the world. I mean, would such trials have happened? In most other countries no no they, they probably wouldn't um, no you, you're right maybe not the trials but the idea that there are subliminal messages and there are um for some reason some nefarious plots for these musicians to encourage people to worship satan and to kill themselves and to do drugs and all this other stuff and to be honest it kind of self-perpetuates it as well because when you've got ozzy osborne going around biting the head off bats and calling himself the prince of darkness yeah and then all the imagery and the aesthetic of heavy metal where we've got a devil horn salute and you've got satan on the cover of number of the beast and even if it is tongue-in-cheek that, that's the thing but those who don't understand them, this this might sound a little bit almost elitist if you're but those that don't understand that just put two and two together they don't get the irony they don't get that tongue-in-cheek element of it no, but they put two 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 and fantasy, two together and they the get day. five they didn't get four this, yeah. yeah yeah you could look back on on hammer horror films and, and think anyone who watches hammer horror films is going to go out and brutally murder people it's, well, it's I, mean, that, I mean that to be fair that that's a far more common uh, common belief i mean it, yeah you look, you look at the video nasty things and you look at actually you know uh, the jamie bolger um, yeah case i mean yeah okay they were children the ones who killed him, but it's there's 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 more evidence that horror movies can can influence people to do bad things. That, and that's 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 visual as well. It's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's having a different effect on on your emotions. Whereas as music, I mean, to be honest with you, if if you listen to Judas Priest and listen to Judas Priest makes you want to go out and kill someone, that's not Judas Priest. That's already in there. No, yeah. that's just that's just rabbit well, down. Like, but like what I okay, so <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> we go back to this idea of like you know talking about like emotions and feelings. So some of the stuff that came up and like you know we we've, we've probably all either seen this or felt this at some point. So firstly, there's the idea of not feeling alone with certain emotions and views. 
so that the fact that the way you view the way you feel the way you view something is being resonated or spoken to in the music you're listening to and that that isn't just heavy metal but before you go on to, to to the next point i mean that whole thing of feeling alone we've brought this up before that regardless of how you feel in yourself metal is, is one of those those communities where you can go to a gig on your own and you can just have a beer with someone you've never met before you said it yourself you've been in the far east people you've never met and you just you've got that that common ground straight yeah. away is that that sort of um tribalism that mm. metal and like i said the likes of hip-hop has mm. angry music matching mood and providing solace bullshit so the fact that what so you're saying metal doesn't match your mood not necessarily no it, it, it comes down to and i've said it already catharsis if, if i've had a bad day at work I might get in the car and chuck Slayer on. Yeah, it doesn't make me angry. No, 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 but, but, but no, no, no. I think what the, what the point is is if it's like you're, you're saying you're in a bad mood, so you listen to Slayer because it makes me happy. Yeah, yeah, okay. But, but that's what this is saying. It's not saying that you're, you're angry, so you listen to Slayer. Yeah, right, it's not Slayer enough, makes you angry. It's saying, okay, this is the whole point. It's like it's proactive selection of music to suit your mood. It's not that, that makes more sense. It's yeah. not listening to Slayer and then I'm now going to become angry. I'm angry, sense. so I'm going to listen to Slayer. Um, metal music matching energy, validating feelings, providing self-assurance. Uh, these these are coming. These are actually from the respondents. This this is what they say about themselves. Um, angry me- music fitting mood again. That was that was two different people that said that. Feeling understood and not alone with metal music. Yeah, I, I get that one definitely. Metal we, we music can all get that. Matching someone's feelings or views about society and their own world. Fair enough. I mean, that, I think that's what Anthony was saying. If he views his world as, if he's as a teenager, if he views his world as being boring, yeah, and then you've got an escape, yeah, fair play, yeah. Validating experienced emotions, validating that experienced emotions are not nothing to be afraid of. That basically, it's okay to feel certain things. Yeah, which I think again, not just metal, music as a whole can can give people that. But they, but it says here, and I think this is a good point. Um, that one of the reasons people listen to certain types of music, especially heavy metal, is that because they 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 are going through, they're using the concept of what's called experiential avoidance, which is people adopting certain behaviours that can be harmful, such as drug abuse or self harm or other destructive behaviours, in order to avoid dealing with or feeling certain negative emotions. And that what this is saying is that. Heavy metal is one of the types of music that actually helps people do that in a non-destructive way. Yeah. Rather than that, going that is a, up something or getting wasted, yeah, yeah, you listen to something. That is a, no, no, that is a, that is a very that. big deal. And I think, I, you know, I've never taken narcotics in my life. And there's lots of reasons for that. But it's I've never been bored. Never been bored in my life. I've always had interests. Um, I've always been able to keep myself occupied. And even when I was having trouble and, you know, I wasn't a happy teenager. And that's probably why, yeah, metal ended up clicking with me because there was a catharsis there. And I moved on to corn and other stuff after, after I made it. Um, but, you know, drugs, I, I, I never felt the need to do to do drugs because I was always able to channel any frustrations and negativity I have through the music. And I've said, it's, you know, I... My 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 addiction is riffs. Yeah. I love big fucking riffs. Yeah, I, I, and 
you know, you you put some headphones on me, you, you you put some fresh on, whatever. That's me. I'm 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 sated. I'm I'm. I, I wouldn't say I'm even chill, but I'm I'm. I I, I feel a sort of balance, a harmony with the universe after I listen to, to to metal, and I I I can see that's what some people have when they do drugs and they're trying to escape. Um, same, same, same with comics. They want your brain. Yeah. But they don't, you know, um, but that, that's it. And, and maybe at the metal, but it, it, it rots your ears. But yeah, I'm, I'm not putting stuff into my body that's chemically harmful um, because I've got a different kind of addiction. And the thing is, metal is addictive. I mean, we talk about music creating some uh, certain endorphins, but the reason metal or even loud, you know, loud music like punk does has a particular effect is because of the, the nature of the vibrations in the music and how it's channeled through the eardrum. It is an addictive form of music because um, how it passes through. It's a chemical reaction in the brain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, you know, as long as you don't have it too loud, because yeah, it can, it can be dangerous despite, despite, you know, what jokes we might make. It's, it's far, far better than put another crap to your body. Do you think uh, as a teenager and, and, you know, don't, don't, yeah, you say about sort of into Maiden, Maiden's all about fantasy, but then you got into bands like Korn. So I, I didn't, I didn't really go through that as a teenager. Do you think you related to stuff like Korn more because you was an unhappy teenager? Because obviously new metal played on that a little bit, didn't it? There was a lot of that kind yeah. of subject matter in the lyrics. Yeah. And... No, that, that was it. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't want to sort of blunt it out with Maiden, but a lot of it is that I, I thought I saw the CD I saw the imagery, the cartoonish comic book stuff. I thought that looks fucking cool. And I've always liked the Iron Maiden songs I've heard on the uh, in the charts. Fuck it, I've, I think I'll buy it. Um, and I listened to it and it was, I loved it. It was a rush. It was, you know, it was everything about metal that people loved. And I, yeah, I just started reading Kerrang! after that and Korn were, were the first cover, cover people on Kerrang! that yeah. I saw. And I read the article, saw how the music was talked about. I just, I just wanted to give them a go. You know, it, I made them open up the doors to to this sort of new new world to me that I wanted to explore, and I just felt the need to need to explore. Um, and Korn, you know, Korn were of their time. That debut album was being talked about a lot because they just released their second album. Um, and I was just, I was just hungry for more. But yeah, it 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 appealed to me because, yeah, I wasn't happy. I wasn't popular. You know, and even at 16, people think we're surely a sort of moving, moving past that kind of stuff. But because I didn't get into metal or something like that earlier, I, I was still quite introverted for, you know, well into, well into my 16th year and past, past my GCSE exams. And I think, yeah, the, the core, the lyrics and the sound just appealed to me far more because they, they were challenging emotion in a different way. Um, and it's a cliche, but yeah. I think I think for, they, I mean, they did what a lot of people have mentioned. Like, I've been mean, I've looked at this online, it's on like Reddit's and Quora. Um, a lot of people describe metal as being a safe space for them. And um, I, I I thought to myself, so let's say, you know, if you view heavy metal a gig or a community of people that you listen to it with or that you interact with online as being a safe space. Um, is it partly because that 
there are other people who view it the same way because they've also got their own issues or their own baggage and who are maybe, you know, using heavy metal or music as a form of experiential avoidance, feel that maybe the metal subculture, because it attracts people with baggage, would be more accepting and tolerating of their own negative behaviours. And therefore, that's what makes it just as much as a safe space emotionally as it is musically, culturally and interpersonal. Because if you go to a festival and like you see people that have clearly been cutting themselves, you don't, I mean, you might think to yourself, oh, that looks bad. But you don't think, what the fuck are they doing there? They don't belong here. No. Who are they? What an idiot. No, you would never think that. No. And I'm sure a lot of the musicians who have been into the, into the scene, I mean, you know, drug use, that's one thing. But like, you know, we're, we're only in the last 10 years have been really been the stigma of talking about like mental health and you know, I mean, how many how many metal fuck stars have been into uh, rehab and and therapy? Yeah. yeah, there's been loads. I mean, we've 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 joked a lot about Rob Flynn on this podcast, but he's obviously he's had his struggles with his with his issues and his demons and his youth and stuff like that, and and he's been quite vocal about it. And you could argue that now that there's more of an awareness, people like Rob Flynn have a positive impact on people because he has always been so vocal about it might have been easy 15, 20 years ago when we had less awareness that we might point fingers at it a little bit and take the piss, but it's clearly not the case. He's got, he's got issues. All right. So, so what about this? So from my point of view, I, I had the older brother who was into heavy metal and I got into heavy metal through him and that sort of time went on. I, I went through other periods went a little bit through indie and grunge and, and punk was quite a big thing for me in the nineties. And then sort of metal took over. But I found that because I had an older brother that was into metal, I then developed almost a sense of loyalty to him that that getting into metal was part of that, was part of that sort of loyalty to my brother because he was a heavy metal fan. And it was, it almost made me feel part of something that he was a part of. And I had that, that link and that common ground. I, I don't know if, if that, if that makes any sense, but because my brother was into Maiden and Accept and ACDC, that, I know we all have the whole big brother syndrome. It happens, it's quite common, but it made me want to go and listen to more. I mean, I, I would discover a new band. Like I remember, I remember hearing Machine Head for the first time and I played to my brother. I said, have a listen to this. And to be fair, he said it was shit. It was the more things change. But whenever, whenever I, I discovered something new or I bought a new album, I would always play it to my brother because I think I just developed that sense of loyalty to him because he was already a metal fan. So is that, what was there, was that sort of interest in metal maybe, were you looking positively at metal because you saw it as a way of bonding with your brother? Yeah, I think so. So, When when, when we went to the, yes, I got on. Would you have had the exact same approach if, if he'd have been into indie or oasis or someone like that and you'd have latched onto it in there because well, i could have, I could have gone either way i mean my my sisters were of a similar age i'm a lot younger than my brothers and sisters and my brother when he was alive you know 12 12 years ish older than me my sister's a little bit older than that my sisters were very much into 80s pop when i was growing up so that was very much in my eye but i focused solely on on my brother and his taste in music and that, like you say about that, that bonding, when we started going to gigs together, a lot later in life, to be fair, when I was sort of into my 20s, 
that's when it all became a lot more of a thing like that that bonding element you go to a gig and you see you, you know acdc or whatever it was for the first time with your brother someone you've grown up with listening to that music and then you both go to see one of those bands together for the first time that's that's like i said that's where that bond becomes a big part of it is that it's interesting you said that because there's actually a, there's a line in here in this this uh, article um about allegiance to a form of music is allegiance to those who make it and allegiance to those who listen to it especially with friendship and kinship exactly yeah there you go it's being part of something isn't it yeah and that's something that that metal gives us over any other type of music i think might be a little bit narrow-minded but i all right this might be a sweeping statement but i can't imagine people bonding to that level over a love for Coldplay. Yeah, no. I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, might, I might be picking the wrong band because I, I obviously, I, you know. No, I, no. I, but the, it just doesn't have the same effect. It, I, have a, I don't have a problem with... Disposable music. That's what, I have a problem with, with the, the, the argument you're trying to make. What I have a problem with is that you fucking mentioned Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't mention Dream Theater, but you can mention Coldplay. You just did. Well, because I don't give a shit about the rules. If that bell had walked into my local pub and started playing the piano, oh, yeah, I saw I'd, I'd never go in there again. Who the fuck does he think he is? I'd rather it was fucking Uncle Albert, for Christ's sake. But anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, well, maybe that's it. Maybe music just needs a certain kind of intensity. Yeah, maybe that is exactly uh, it. Whether it's metal or whether it's hip-hop. And this is why I keep mentioning hip-hop, because hip-hop does have that similar level of intensity. I mean, this is the thing is, I, 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 I did bond with my sister with 80s pop. I mean, I was, you know, when I was six, she was 14, 15. Um, and we, we listened to a top 40 together every Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon and played board games together. That was, our parents encouraged that. And that was two siblings hanging out, listening to music and doing fun stuff together. Yeah. Um, but I suppose, as, as, and as much as I, I, I loved some of those artists then, and some of those artists I still love now. That's you know that, that, in that um, that section, um, yeah. I didn't. It wasn't a, the connection that I felt with metal, uh, which yeah was was myself. I didn't bond with anyone family wise, but yeah, it, I I didn't get that from eighties pop. But maybe that's just because I was a very small boy and not quite developed developed enough to to do something like that. No, your emotional development is not there, is it? You're not no, going to exactly. link. You're not going to link music with a with with a, with, a, with other people, are you? It's you know, it's not going to happen. But I mean, look, we're we're the prime example. You know, you and I, Padre, we met in the late '90s because, you know, I overheard a conversation you were having about Metallica, and you know, and that's where it all sort of came to. Anthony, you and me, and and Kieran and John, all our friends, all our circle of friends, it all circulates around the music and not not to say that we wouldn't be friends without it but it is a it is it's an easy common ground it's not just about the music though because if you if you listen to if you listen to heavy metal or you listen to hip-hop or you or you listen to you know even some kind of forms of electronic music um i think the other people that listen to the same music as you are going to have a similar view of the world as you and to some extent, similar values. And I think obviously I was I was in a bar years and years ago with you know my my good friend Rob, 
and he said he was telling he was talking to me and he was like you know he goes like we listen to the same music and stuff like that and it's great you know you can you, you, we can go to gigs together but he just goes like no that's not why we're friends we're friends because we have the same values yeah we come from we come from similar backgrounds we yeah. have the same kind of upbringing we don't cheat people we don't steal we try to be honest we try to be good people you know we trust each other yeah you know there's there's that is just as important as the music you listen to because you know there's this for every five or six you know stand up people you meet in a metal festival there's always one or two dickheads yeah of course there is you know and that's like you know that's that's true of anything i mean the, the interesting thing for me was I mean, talking about like, you know, you can, we can all talk about like how we got into it or why we got in, or, you know, or when we got into metal. But like one, reading this article kind of made me reflect on something that I used to do. And I didn't actually realise I was doing this, just, but this kind of really clarified it for me, was that I used, and this was definitely me probably from about 99 to about 2003, was using metal to simultaneously isolate myself from those I didn't like. Yeah. And as a way of building bridges to make friendships with people I did like in the realm of being metal fans. So, um, yeah, separating myself from the people that I was going to university with, because in my review, they were salmon at a fish farm. Like they were just, they were like, listen to S club seven. And they were like, Oh, we love red or chili peppers. What's your favorite album track of mother's milk? What's that? You know, it's just like, I, I'm not interested in that. You know, like if you're into something great and I'll sit down and listen to you talk, if you, you know, whether it could be you're into hard house or hip hop, but be into something. Otherwise I don't really give a shit. And so like, you know, it, but if I, if I listen to metal and I walk around my headphones in, that's me blocking out one sensory influence on me and if i'm wearing my hood up and my bandana and my fucking camouflage trousers and my big boots and my hoodie top and i'm cutting out my vision so i can only see what's in front of me and i'm saying to people fuck off and leave me alone yeah and like there was actually a point where someone told me at the student union one night because they were drunk they're like do you know what your nickname is and i was like what scary <laughs> hooded metal guy <laughs> and i was like yeah i said yeah Fine. I said, that's what I want it to be because I don't want to, I don't want to mix with all of you. I've got plenty of friends. Like I do my own thing. Yeah. Um, and like, so I'm like, I, I want you guys over there and I don't want anything to do with you. And I got my people here and I, that's who I want to spend my time with because shared values, same way they look at the world. And again, it's just like wanting to be, it starts off with being, you want to be rebellious because you're listening to something that maybe the parents or, or the school are saying, you know, you shouldn't listen to devil music. You're going to end up worshipping Satan. Satanism is like the historical, you know, underground culture that every every institution of power has always rebelled, you know, kind of controlled witch hunts, heretics, all that kind of stuff, organised religion. So it's like that's, just being part of that is a big fuck you to certain people, um, especially if especially you come from religious backgrounds. Um, and... But then again, like, you know, going to school with people who are convinced that Noel Gallagher is the world's greatest guitar player and just like listen to chart music and they, they don't question anything and they don't, they don't, they don't read anything that they're not told to read. You know, they don't, they don't look at like, they'll, they'll read, the, they'll read the three pages that their teacher tells them to read, but they won't read the rest of the book. And then they'll just read the cliff notes 
but they won't go to the back of the book and look at the bibliography and go, ah, oh, that looks like a good book. I'll go to the library and get that out. And then that's how you discover all this other stuff in literature, music and art and history and all the rest of it. And like, you know, it's a sign of a curious mind. Whereas a lot of the people that we went to university with are not in any way, shape or form curious about anything. They, they don't give a shit. And, and like they're, they're, they, they live their life anaesthetized. Hmm. You know, and I didn't want to be anaesthetized unless it was towards those people. It's an um, interesting I think, thing. I think that was my that was my motivation. No, you, no, you raise a really important, interesting point about um, rebellion, and this is something I've always thought about myself. I, you know, for wh- whatever reason, I might, I might say my childhood wasn't one was was well, my teenage years wasn't all uh, wasn't always happy. That was more because I was a gawky, weird insecure introverted kid and i wasn't popular at school um my home life my home life was pretty average um but you know it was safe it was safe and secure but you know i was i was happier at home than i was at school put it this way i never felt the need to rebel against my parents or my family or or adults i was always fine with adults i was got along with adults it's people my age i struggled with and okay, I was into the comics and I was into the indie. Some other, I mean, I went to a grammar school. I mean, it was music tastes were weird. I think the coolest band to be into at sixteen years old when I was when I was there was REM. It was it was a weird one, and That's you know there, there were the kids who were into jungle and, and drum and bass, of course, but there weren't many of us into indie. It, it was it was it was very odd. Um, there might have been people into heavier stuff. I I didn't know them at the time, but certainly there, there weren't there weren't many people into indie i was a bit of a it felt like i was alone with that um, but even so it wasn't distinctive enough i think when i started sixth form i was still i was still unpopular and i still want had that urge to rebel against my immediate peers again no no issues with my parents no concerns there that why would i rebel against them they were paying for my education and they bought me up you know they were quite i mean they were old-fashioned and quite stern but they were quite you know, Christ, they, they were quite happy for me to read comics and start to watch horror movies. There, there wasn't that kind of, you know, strictness there. So why, why would I rebel against it? I, I felt no need to do that. But I, th- I think that's kind of maybe what appealed to me against metal, certainly in the mid-90s, is, you know, I, don't, I, I got a lot of crap for listening to Iron Maiden for most of the time, apart from the guy I met in, in Sixth Form Comic Room when I was doodling Eddie. He was into Metallica. His name's Rob, and I'm still good mates with him now. There you go. Um, I mean, I think, I think it's, yeah. To some extent, I think sometimes rebellion is mischaracterized as uh, uh, in, instead what it is is it's a need for external validation. So what you by by shunning certain things, you're looking for validation. You're not you you you're not look, wanting validation from that area. You're looking for external external validation from another area and and everyone everyone seeks out some form of external validation at some point it could be from your parents it could be from your peer group it could be from your kids your wife your teachers you know every i know and some people need it more than others but everyone looks for it at some point um especially when you're in your teenage years and external validation is in is important to some people because it shows that they're either doing a good job or they're not doing a good enough job but you know um children certainly need it and you know in to some extent being told that you're a rebel and you're not one of the crowd is a form of validation 
because if that's what you're looking for mm. and you're going to achieve that by wearing a cradle of filth jesus is a cunt t-shirt to sunday school yeah not that i ever did that but you know or to a school trip or you're going to get a piercing, even though you know your school is going to be like, no, you need to take that. And you've been validated because you've been, you've been your rebellion has been acknowledged. The, the, the fact that you've broken the rules has been acknowledged. And it's not even attention-seeking, I don't think. Could be in sometimes. Yeah, it depends on that. depends on the individual person, doesn't it? Whether it's attention-seeking or not. But well, let's, let's spin this back around to, to sort of, you know, key memories and things like that. Like your first actual... Like things like your first metal gig, your first metal concert. What was yours? Ozfest '98. What was yours? Uh, final would be Sunday of Reading '97. Oh yeah, Metallica and, and all that lot. Yeah, yeah Metallica, Marilyn Manson, Television, Three Colors Red. Yeah, Bush, Dog Eat Dog, Feeder. Is that the full day? That's that's that's, bit, that's pretty much it. Isn't it? As, yeah, I, I think Radish opened. I think had the Descendants as well. What was your first metal gig, though? Like, your actual first metal gig, like an indoor gig? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it was Cold Chamber. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I think I said this the other day. It was... It was yeah, I remember my, you saying. My friends, you know, my friends uh, in sixth form, they were in the year below sixth form, so, you know, you know, the validation worked. Uh, they were really into Cold Chamber a lot more than I was, but I, I liked them a bit. So it was a case of, you know... It was supported by Human Waste Project and Clawfinger, who for oh, some reason they, they loved Clawfinger. Clawfinger. And I'd never heard of them, but it was I was like, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, no, it, it was yeah. First, yeah, end of '97, first opportunity to go to a an indoor gig yeah. at the Astoria. We went. Well, we tried to go to the signing, but the signing was absolutely rammed up at the um, metal shop in Camden, whatever it was called. Metalheads. Was it called Metalheads? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then we stood outside in the cold because, you know, we didn't go to the pubs at that point in time because we were still young, clearly underage. And yeah, it was fucking middle of December. So <laughs> fucking, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Say what you like. That was that was my first proper indoor metal gig. And you'll, you'll always remember that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, will, I fucking will because I didn't grow in toenail, but I hadn't been diagnosed with it at the time and I fucked it up even, even more. Good. So, <laughs> yeah. You remember well, yours? My first ever metal gig. Yeah. Indoors. Yeah. 99 was Big Day Out. Been... While you think about it. No, I... it was it was Sabbath, Last Supper. By the NEC. Yeah. Yeah. That was 99. Christmas 99. December 99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And was it called, no, what was it? Uh, Godsmack? System of a Down. And uh, uh, Tony, Tony and his wife's Drain, drain, drain STH, whatever they were called. Yeah. And then we had the re we had really good meat pie in the canteen. At the <laughs> like, you know, it was the only good food I've ever had at a gig. The pie mash, it was fantastic, and it was cheap too. That would have been that would be my first metal gig as well. Then maybe my first sort of proper small kind of metal gig. I think, I think was Sepultura at the Astoria, which was two thousand, was it? Sepultura, Hatebreed, One Dice, two thousand one. Maybe maybe there was something before that. Then I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. No, you, my, my no, 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 no. You we we started a, uh, we started the degree in uh, October '99. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Now you are you saying you hadn't been to any anything indoors before then? I mean, I know you. I know. Yeah, because maybe it's more difficult for indoor arenas. Yeah, we would have had to had to travel. That was part of the issue. I know we went to see like therapy and that and and whatnot. That was, that was 2000. That was 2000. I mean, in terms you, of an actual. Like, 
indoor metal gig. I've got, okay, I've, well, fair enough. Fair I'm enough. feeling I mean, that might be it because I'm we we were star we were starved of living where we lived. We were starved of it. We went to Reading, we went to Milton Keynes, and we gone to Birmingham for Black Sabbath and stuff like that. But Jesus, okay, I, I honestly didn't realise. I thought because you you know you struck me as sort of quite you know you know what you're into and you like what you're into and yeah, but we, it it wasn't available to us. Yeah, I know, I know that's partly why you sort of moved up to this area, sort of, and studied there. It, that, that was it was a huge yeah. influence of why I moved to the southeast because it was an opportunity to actually see live bands. I'm just trying to, you know, what I could dig out my um, all my tickets and sort of see what are we seeing in '99. Um, I'm sure in October '99 we went we went up to Kingston Peel to see um, Earth Tone Nine, supported by fucking Raging Speedhorn. That's highly possible, and I know. <laughs> You know, first indoor gig. I can't believe that's your first proper indoor gig. I mean, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but that's that's one that, that sticks out. I'll have to. I'll go back over my um over my tickets because I've, we, I've we, still got loads from that time. Yeah, I mean, obviously, two thousand. We all ramped it up, didn't we? Sort of. I think you know, in terms of going to gigs and living up there. Rage Against the Machine was January two thousand. Yeah, Wembley. That Wembley. So that was that was, that was, that was earlier. No, that was January two thousand. I can tell you that because I got mugged that day as well. Yes, you did, didn't you? I remember yeah. saying about that. Um, um, ACDC ah. at Wembley Arena, I think, was... I think that was 2000 as well. So, maybe, yeah. I maybe. Go to that. I'm trying to think, because I, I, I sort of was in the habit of going to a, having a Christmas gig, or, or two or three with you, um, for a while. The, but the, uh, the, 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 the Kerrang, the Kerrang um, Christmas shows, the K-Fest or whatever it was called. Yeah. 99, so, 99, when, you know, our first turn together... I went to see Slipknot, the first Slipknot gig in London with Kieran, yeah. uh, which was that's phenomenal. But yeah, forty-five minutes done. Um, I, I remember like my um, first set of, like metal like seminal experiences. Not not talking about seeing a band, but like going back to what Jugendra was saying about coming from Cornwall. Um, when I got to university, within the first two or three weeks, it was like right. You know, me and my mate Rob were like, we're going to Metro's nightclub. And it was the first time we'd ever been to a metal, an alternative metal nightclub. And it's again, it's like, you're not, not you know, going to a nightclub knowing that you don't have to wear shoes and a shirt. Yeah. And you can just wear your, your hoodie and your Slayer t-shirt and your yeah. bandana and your cargo pants and your boots, and, you know, and your, and your wallet chain. And it was just, and, it, and Metro's was a middling club at best. But, you know, being able to go to a club that wasn't going to play Spice Girls. And you might listen to seven or eight tracks in a night that you'd be like, yeah, fuck. Let's go on the dance floor and mosh. You know, it was great. Even those days ago, I mean, you talked about, about the Peel in Kingston and, and that anybody who's from that area that's listening to this will be more than familiar with the Peel. It was somewhere where we could all, whether there was a gig on or, or whether it, you just went to the pub, it was somewhere where we could all congregate. Metros and Cardiff is one of them, the Peel, and then there's going to be God knows how many around the country, but those kind of things. Yes, we have our, our metal pubs and that now. There's a few knocking about, but those those clubs and things, they don't really exist anymore. We had one in 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 Newquay in Cornwall, Foster's, Foster's Nightclub. Yeah. But again, even getting to Newquay was a pain in the ass. Yeah. 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 So it was, but you would make that extra effort. Because the clipper wasn't going back then. No. Not was a shit away. No, so think, it was... again, do you think that was more the appeal, especially for, for where you were, because it was something that was very difficult to access um, yeah. in a live environment. I mean, talk about what Steve Hughes was talking about with um, getting those albums to Australia, and you had to you know wait wait a while. They had to create their own scene. 
um you know in Cornwall okay you can get the albums maybe a bit easier by that point in time but yeah gigs gigs and clubs you know it's going to be difficult and you think you know this is something to look forward to I can't we do used this to make tonight. we used so, to make special trips to Falmouth didn't we to go to a shop called the Outer Limits which was which used to sell band t-shirts and, and jewelry and stuff like that and there's this old biker guy that ran it it was always full of stories and things like that but that was it was like a pilgrimage one every now and then you know, it's something, it, something that I knew was going to take me take me into London. I could start going to gigs and whatnot, and and that was definitely the appeal. Um, it was weird. It was, you know, there was nothing. I mean, there might have been there was stuff in Croydon, but I think London <laughs> London felt safer than Croydon. The thing, the thing that. for me is you've got to, it really it really helps when you've got. Um, you know, a, um, a, like if you've got a brother like Trigenza or you know, you, you get a good friend who doesn't just get you into it, but like gets you into it in the right way, it gives you the good stuff, and then can tell you like this is why it's good, or like you like that, this is other good stuff. And for me, it was like it was my mate Rob, who's now a music journalist and a very good one at that. He's actually just got back from interviewing Scott Ian and. Los Angeles and going to a guitar company launch, but like he made me a he made me a mixtape called The Razor's Edge, the classic selection, <laughs> uh, and he actually put a photo of me on the front of it because uh, he's, he's also a photographer. He took the photo himself, and um, it, you know it's some really good tracks. And then he made me another one. And then he also just gave me a sack of tapes, and it was Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, Justice for All, Megadeth. Suicidal tendencies, loads of stuff, loads of grunge stuff as well. And I basically listened to all of it. And then I was like, okay, I need more of this. So, like, you know, for, for a lot of a lot of it for me, that 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 afternoon of coming back from his house with this bag of tapes is kind of etched into my my memory because that was the, the 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 time where you're you go off on a 90-degree tangent and you, you don't look back. And it's like, you know everyone benefits from having someone like that in their life that's that's incredibly influential and there you go that's that's not, that. not just from a musical perspective but yeah you know oh yeah i mean without rob i mean values I... you know intelligence humor empathy my my, my rob basically yeah so we, we've all got great friends called rob haven't we so uh, that's it you know the metallica fan that he you know, I, I bought various albums, but he recorded most of Metallica's stuff, Nine Inch Nails, Megadeth, you know, so I could listen to lot, lots more music as a result of him. And, and yeah, it was, a, it was great. And he lived, he lived just down the road from me, Easy Cycle down the road. Um, so we could at least get to, uh, you know, see stuff easily enough. But, um, but you could look yeah. at it with, you could look at it with, with rose tinted glasses and just, it's almost like, it's almost like something in the air or deep down in the depths of hell 
is what brings you all together in the first place. And, and that, as cheesy as that may sound, you know, whatever it is, it's, we're all still sitting here in our 40s on a Friday night in my bedroom, staring at a laptop on a washing basket. Yeah. Talking about heavy metal from I, I will I will show years. you this because yeah obviously I, I think around around the time of eighteen I wanted to start buying metal merch so I, I went up to metal and I was going to London quite a lot by myself here and there just to buy comics and and stuff at that point um, so yeah I went up to Metalhead at, at some point just to start buying merchandise and uh, this was the first thing I actually bought um, I was about eighteen ninety eight. Um, Sepultura football shirt. Sepultura football shirt. Extra large. So it still doesn't fit me. <laughs> yeah, but back then everything only came in extra large. I was about to say, yeah, everything. Everything was bagging. I thought, well, I might grow into it a bit eventually. No, no, literally. <laughs> still, <laughs> still doesn't fit. I mean, I only wear it in bed. So, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's that. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what the make is, but it's. Um, I don't think it was the one I saw advertised in Kerrang and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, you know. But the fact you still got that, yeah, because some people would look at that as just a t-shirt. Oh no, no. This, but to you, I it's so much more. And I'm not even like the biggest Sepultura fan in the world, but at the time, I was. I loved Roots, you know. Yeah. And I was like, I, I love, you know, I love the football. I thought, fuck it, I'm buying that. That's something, something memorable. And yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of, um, you know, the cheap knockoff t-shirts that they sold outside gigs, the dodgy ones. I've, I've, I've still got my three colours red one. I've still got my feeder one. Um, the Rage Against the Machine one, one I bought um, that horrible day dissolved the first night. So fuck that. Basically. I bought one of those as well. Yeah, disintegrated. Yeah. Um, yeah. So nuts to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this I'm not getting rid of because yeah, this this was special. We need special. Um, it's quite yeah. I mean, it's quite it's quite a thick material for a t-shirt. They were made totally different. Yeah. Um, totally different. So so yeah. So but yeah, that was that was it. And I think after that, I bought. The baggiest fucking trouser kecks you could imagine. Proper, you know, new metal stuff. Fear Factory hoodie, which I had for years. I only like sold a couple of years ago. When I met when I met you, you lived in that Fear Factory. I know, I know. Stank too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking hell. I mean, I mean, you know, we we can kind of wrap it up here, but it's you know, discussions like this are what make you realise what the music means and like i said before it's not necessarily just about metal if you're a music fan and you have a a circle of friends that that kind of resonates around it and 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 or music just makes you happy when you're feeling down it's all that kind of stuff it is all cliche it's a bit cheesy but it's true and it's you know it is escapism there is catharsis to it but we all love metal for a reason and whatever that reason is 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 personal to most people so anyone listening to this podcast you know, the reason you're listening to this is because you love metal. So the reason we're sitting here talking about it is because we love metal. So not because we're sad and we haven't got anything better to do on a Friday night. Anything left to say? Well, I think basically, you I mean, tune in next week. No, don't tune in next week. Don't, 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 don't. Not next no. week, but tune in for the next episode where we'll be having, I'll be forming a, um, a jury as it were, for the trial of the Wolfman. <laughs> the trial of the Wolf. And, um, you know, it's oh, that, sounds the, like, that sounds like a comic book. <laughs> the, 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 and then for a, it'll be the trial of the, uh, the the trial of the Wolfman part one, the reckoning, and then it'll be trial of the Wolfman part two, the crucifixion. There is, there is you know, actually a comic. 
Speaking of which, like, you know, if I've, I've mentioned this band before, but if you want to hear, a, you know, just one of the best names for a metal track or a part a two part metal track, Cancer, Sins of Mankind, Tribal Conquest, part one, The Gathering, Tribal, and then on the same album, Tribal Conquest, part two, The Conquering. You know, it's like, what's that? No, it's put it away. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Cancer, Sins of Mankind, definitely. I'll um, I'll I'll add that to the playlist this week because that's that's something a bit that's I think that's the most obscure band I've heard you mention. They're not they're not they're not a new band. They're they're, they're nineteen eighty. I used to yeah have, late late eighties early nineties. Yeah, right I, I used to have the, the, the album Sins of Mankind. I bought it at the Pannier Market in Cardiff. And it's got a great, um, great great artwork on the cover. Cool. I'm just um, sort of, so I'm just flicking through the Google news headlines and there's one which is in the enemy saying. From Cooler Shaker. Cooler Shaker is saying radio head of the most overrated band in the universe. There yeah. you go. That's why I got into metal. There I you go. Like and on, on that bombshell, because that is and it's true, I agree with it. Um we won't be here next week uh, for various reasons, but um I don't... will just just I'll do the podcast on my own. No one need, no one wants that. No one <laughs> don't damage our reputation with building something good here. Don't ruin it. We'll call it an evening with No, we won't. No, we won't. Go live on YouTube, just me. Well, myself and Anthony will be um, be going to see Tailgunner at the Dev in London next Friday night. So, um, and we'll we'll report back from that the following week. So, no episode next week, um, but we will be back the week after that. And yeah, possibly with the crucifixion of the Wolfman. We'll we'll see. Yeah, he will be crucified if he gets out of Wembley alive. I'm going to assemble, like I said. Actually, what? No, you can't crucify him. That's not going to have any. any so, like I said, I said a few, <laughs> I, I said a few episodes ago that one of my ideas would be we have like a metal council that you know. <laughs> basically gives bands like Van Halen permission to reform and go out online on tour. And I, I think this this would fall under the parameters of the Metal Council. So I'm going to spend the next two weeks forming the council. Okay. And, you know, we're going to pass judgment. Of course, I will be Grand Inquisitor. Of course you will. Of course you will. But anyway, we'll um, we'll catch you in two weeks. Anybody in London... Go to Tailgunner and they're touring over the UK anyway. So check out the dates. Well, can I just, you know, but uh, London's free, so you've got no fucking excuse. Okay, yeah, uh, okay. We'll we'll see everyone next week, and then uh, what do we talk, what do we what have we got coming up in the pipework? Oh, we've got all sorts coming up oh. in the pipeline. I mean, not not that we um, not that we are capable of of planning ahead or anything like that, but we we have the politics of heavy metal cooking. At some point, in that, the that's month. that's on for pardon the pun, that's on the back burner. That one, we'll come back. For political reasons, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, gems that we, we gems that we've got to come. We, you know, we've done Sweden, so we'll talk about Finland, we'll talk about Norway because you know, Scandinavia as a whole needs um, needs, needs our full respect and our full attention. Um, we can look at the relationship between wrestling and metal in a few weeks because that's definitely there. That's, that's you two. That's, that's it's not me. It, it's, it's him, and I'm sure he'll find another <laughs> one of his weird friends to talk about wrestling. So that's there. We're going to bring up a bit of synth wave over the next few weeks because there's definitely a relationship there. Um, we want to look at the relationship between metal, hardcore, and hip hop because that's something that can't be ignored. Um, I want to talk about heavy metal and religion and Satanism and the occult because. You know, yes, it's fantasy, but there's got to be... That's, that's a two-part. Two yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's a big one to, uh, to look at. 
working class roots and that is something we want to talk about as well because we're all working class people and i think it's quite common across the board. <laughs> sat in your house isn't <laughs> you, it you are. Well, i am fucking you've got three class. fucking floors so you just refer to the top floor as the penthouse yes and you f- there's no way you're working class you're going to sleep in a pool house tonight <laughs> You've got an ensuite bathroom. Fuck you. And we 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 want to um we want to put a little a bit of special attention onto the '90s and new metal and the resurgence of new metal because it'll be well it'll be fun. <laughs> there's, no, there's no other reason that we'll, we'll all we'll all slate new metal. But you know what? It's got its point in history, so it, it deserves some attention. So all so those, did the Black Death. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so all those things are to come over the over the coming weeks. <laughs> whether we actually get to that or not. And look, we're hoping to have some interviews as well. We're hoping to get some more people on because, you know, the, the chats we've had with people like Steve Hughes and Lois Creature and, and, and Tail Gunner and so on have been been really enjoyable. And, and the feedback we've had is that people want to hear more. So if anybody you want us to talk to or try and get in touch with, let us know. If anybody wants to come on the podcast and just, you know, put him to rights, you're more than welcome. I keep asking this. Yeah, no one yeah, has come look, forward look, yet. Look, listen, I, I, I know I'm hard on these two because they need it. They need a firm hand. Um, but, Bellamy. you know, if if, 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 the, if, the, if someone that we didn't know came on this podcast, you know, then they're going to see a different side of Padre. You won't. You, you get usual Padre. But they, they would get nice, friendly, fluffy Padre. I don't want to know about your fluffy. That's the point. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, look, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you in two weeks. God knows what we'll be talking about on that one. But um, if you keep an eye on the socials, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you know. Thank you for listening. See you in two Thank weeks. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.